welcome back to another episode of the Heart Square podcast. Um, in this podcast episode, we were joined by a special guest. Um, we were joined by Maris from Blue Light CRM, and we spoke to him on the topic of how to deliver successful projects. Yeah, looking forward to um, having a chat with Marius. Actually, he's been in and around the sector for uh, for a while. You know, um, definitely shares our kind of commitment to successful projects and has delivered a number of them. So, you know, the conversation could kind of go anywhere. There's a number of different aspects that we might take on. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he kind of highlights as as key points to think about. Actually, yeah, definitely. So we'll just get straight into the episode. We hope you enjoy. Hi Maris, it's great to have you join myself and Rob on our podcast today. Um, as you know, we're going to have a, a bit of a chat around project success. Um, but before we get into the topic of projects specifically, um, I wondered if you could do a bit of an intro into yourself um, and a bit about Blue Light as well, if that's okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for inviting me, uh, Ellie. Um, so I suppose I've personally been in the not-for-profit sector ooh, uh, probably over 20 years, to be honest. Um, in one guise or another. I mean, um, I've been a, I've worked within a non-for-profit membership organisation. Um, I've worked as a consultant to the sector, uh, and now as a, a leading a software uh, development um, partner. So I've, I've kind of seen it from all all directions, I suppose. Um, uh, Blue Light uh, formed in 2015, I believe, um, where Microsoft and Dynamics CRM specialists, we we all things Microsoft essentially, uh, but particularly around Dynamics, where uh, very much focused on the not-for-profit sector. So the type of organisations um, we have uh, with us at the moment are professional bodies, uh, trade associations, charities, and more. All things not-for-profit, really. Um, we have a um, we work within the dynamics environment, but we have our own product, which out of the box kind of uh, is intended to provide that 70-80% fit for 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 any typical organisation. Um, we're very focused on the delivery of successful projects. It's something that we feel very very strongly about, but also very experienced technically across all areas, whether it's integrations, data, all of the things that, that make a CRM work that little bit better. Thanks, Maris. Um, yeah, good to see you, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we've worked together a lot, like you say, over the sort of the part, well, since from Blue Light and before, actually. And uh, I know that, as you rightly point out, um, particularly with Blue Light, you know, you've been very focused on, on ensuring that projects are successful. Um, and you've, I know you put a lot of resource that way, you know, it is a big focus for you. It's not just about delivering, but it is about giving that project success so the clients feel the success and uh, and are you know, not just satisfied, but excited then to take the, take the technology forward with you. Um, there are loads of different ways that we describe success. You know, we talk about it a lot, you and I do, Heart Square do. Um, I guess, the, yeah, just kind of an, an opening question to get us started really is, what do you think, you know, where you're looking at different things that might be resourcing, it might be about the planning, it might be the change management, the data, where would you start to say, you know, an organisation who's about to embark on a project, let's say that, um, what should they be really focusing in on at this point to help secure success? <laughs> nice broad question to begin with, I suppose. I think all <laughs> of it, 10, right? all of it, absolutely all of it. Um, no, I mean, certainly there are lots and lots of very, very important elements to it, but uh, I suppose from our perspective, our experience, is uh is well number one is relationship relationship and collaboration mm. uh, it doesn't matter how smart your partner is how technically proficient if you don't get on with them uh, it, it's it's not going to be a successful engagement a successful partnership i suppose in, in delivering technology um you can pretty much do anything with technology nowadays is it's it's 
kind of understanding the other person's need and uh, and, and being able to work together successfully. Um, I suppose a few sort of items to to, to bring out um, in no particular order, but um, governance, I suppose, governance, having some very, very clear roles and responsibilities. Um, we would always lead through a project, but we we kind of assume and, and kind of expect really that uh, that any organisation that we engage and work with will have a, a governance structure, some very, very clear roles around some of the areas, whether it's kind of senior level support uh, and oversight, uh, the, the, the project team themselves that are going to bear the brunt of most of the work uh, and those sort of subject area experts, key users that, that we have to kind of interact with, but not only uh, understand how they work, but but also bring them along in terms of adoption and, and ownership and and acceptance of, of any kind of new systems or, or transformation that might be happening. Um, senior level understanding and support, I think is probably a key one. Um, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, purchasing decisions around technology is often done top down and then the implementation of it is kind of bottom up. Um, and that's sometimes a bit of a, it's a bit of a disconnect between the two really. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, no, I know what you mean. We, we see that too. And I think you're right, establishing that governance, which is that period, isn't it, between the transition between, you know, you've been selected, you know, a panel has gone through a process, selected you to work with and built a relationship with you, as you say, because of that personal pace. But then not always, but it, but the majority of the delivery team is probably not the same group of people, is it? Maybe you've got a senior sponsor or something like that who comes across. But when you're putting that project board, project team together, it is a new group. So that Establishing the governance and getting the project off on the right footing, incredibly important, including the resourcing side of that, yeah? Absolutely, I mean, as I said, you know, having um, a sort of a strong uh, senior presence in terms of, you know, to uh, to make sure that it's, it's translated as to, you know, why we're doing this and what your role is is in this and how we're gonna work with, with our partner to achieve this is absolutely key. Um, you know, an awful lot of people that are gonna be involved in, in, in projects uh, that we, we deliver are, you know, they have day jobs, they have other things that, that they need to be doing. You need to both, uh, you know, translate the need and, and the approach to it, but also make room for them, support them in, in being able to be, you know, fully involved in the process. And is that where you see one of the areas where you see that senior senior client side role being important because it's that person who's going to give the delivery team the capacity to focus on the project, you know? So you've got two big things that you've mentioned there. One about people's ability to focus, to understand what we're trying to achieve and focus on it um, and then make the decisions around it. So do you see, that, are there occasions where you, you know, kind of escalating up into that senior role to say, look, your team need more capacity, everything's fine, but they need more capacity to support what we're doing this side? I think so. I think so. And, and a lot of the time, I mean, the, you know, best intentions in terms of, you know, resourcing and making people available and, and making sure they're supported. But um, you know that that has to be planned for uh, um, alongside what else is going to be going on. What you don't want is kind of um, uh, you know people being picked off uh, to do something more important or more urgent. Um, obviously, that will always be the case, and hopefully, we're flexible enough and can collaborate to to be able to sort of make that up. But but we do want a committed engagement basically, and uh, and I think senior uh, level support is absolutely key in being, being able to define it from the outset, but also make sure that they're not they're not, not just talking a good game as part of the process, you know, that they are actually really supporting people. Uh, and if we do need to escalate something in terms of resourcing, 
um, then we'll do that. And it's not just it's not just about resourcing from the outset. I mean, it, it, it can be sometimes a sort of a, a long process. Uh, you know, you want to sort of um, watch out for any sort of fatigue or, or frustration that might arise because of the fact that, that people are involved in something that's, you know, sometimes can be a little bit more complex, I suppose. And, and we just got to watch out for that and, and help them. Yeah. And is that something where we then start to talk about change management as much as project management, if, if you know what I mean? Because we're talking about the senior stakeholder has to have the vision and share the vision of what we're trying to achieve and then keeping teams not just engaged, but enthused and energetic, you know, like so mitigating against change fatigue. Is is that is that where we start? I know it's maybe it's semantics. You could dismiss it out of hand and sort of thing. It's, it's all just part of what we have to do. Right. Um, but in kind of that discipline area, getting when we're talking to clients about what they need to think the terms they need to think in is where we strain to change management, get away from just tech. It's not a tech implementation, it's, it's changing the way you work and therefore engaging with, with your staff around it. I think so, definitely. I mean, it, it, they're always change management uh, projects, change management processes. Um, you know, the technology is, is almost entirely secondary to be mm. perfectly honest, you know, you're you're asking, and particularly the types of organisations that, you know, within the not-for-profit sector work very, very differently. You know, you might have um, organisations that, uh, I mean, we, we work with a number of organisations who have people that have been working with them for, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, they've carried out certain processes, you know, relatively successfully. They're very happy doing what they're doing. Um, and I suppose when kind of senior management want to evolve the organisation or have some some very transformational kind of strategic goals, um, you need to be able to kind of translate that to to the people that are going to be doing an awful lot of the work, um, mm -hmm. but not just in project, um, but also you know what's going to happen you know uh, once let's say that that initial phase has, has happened, you want you know uh, a, a strong uh, sort of presence within the organisation that's going to sort of uh, maintain and 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 evolve and push things on as they go through uh, in terms of processes and technology. Yeah. Do you think that is saying specific, I say specific or heightened in the sector? Because, you know, we talked before about one of the one of the great things about the sector. One of the reasons we've, you know, both <clears throat> spent our careers in it is that the the people who work for nonprofits tend to be, you know, connected to the cause, you know, associated with the mission, whatever it may be, whether it's a charity or membership body or whatever, or that, you know, they're a practitioner. And now they've moved across to, the, to their membership body. And there is that quite kind of preciousness around that and a really close connection. Do you think that makes people potentially more resistant to change? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. It's, um, uh, I, I suppose that, that, you know, caring about what you do, uh, and, and certainly I would I would say that within the not-for-profit sector, there is a, there is a much higher, um, you know, focus on why we're doing it, you know. Um, so, and, and an awful lot of the time, I suppose, a, a lot of teams, a lot of, a lot of people within these organisations have a very clear kind of idea as to, you know, why they're in that job and, and, and why they're doing it. So, mm. for somebody to come along and say, right, you need to change the way you work, they're going to be a little bit more suspicious than your strictly commercial organisation who, I suppose, to, to an extent, they will simply look at the bottom line or, or doing things more efficiently and therefore might be a little bit more open uh, to to that kind of transformational aspect uh, or care less possibly yeah. <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah 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 <clears throat> it is that though isn't it? It, it that's it's a really good point because it's it is that cultural thing isn't it the people a lot of the employees their work they're associated with the cause so it's all about the why for them and we should we should you know adopt that same culture when talking about a change project and focus much more on the why this is good for the organization and the cause like you say 
how it better serves the mission yeah to kind of align the project culture with the organizational culture a bit more does that make sense I think so. I mean, the sort of key objectives that you're usually kind yeah. of, you know, hear uh, about is, you know, get get closer to our uh, stakeholders, uh, better support our community. Um, but they can be, you know, a little bit vague at that level in terms mm. of, you know, the, the, this is what we this is what we're kind of aiming for. But then much more specific when it comes to uh, raise, uh, you know, fundraising by X percent or uh, increase membership by X percent. So. It's almost like a lot of these objectives that we see certainly is, um, you know, that there's definitely the very much the kind of idealistic, the why uh, kind of aspect. But um, more often than not, they fall into numbers which are more easily uh, measurable. So, yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Yeah, I think that's the point, isn't it? The numbers become measurable. The numbers are the measurable part, but there's a direct correlation between, you know, so raise more money to serve the cause, yeah, increase membership to provide better services, run a bigger conference, whatever it may be, you know, be able to run, provide more insight um, or better case support or something along those lines. Interesting, interesting. Can we just take, sorry, just pick up on one of the other points um, around that kind of project team, project um, sponsor role, you know, the senior role, the governance piece. Coming back on that just a little bit, to talk about decision making because you mentioned the need for having like a strong sponsor um and it's one of those conversations we have internally it, yes it's really good to have a strong sponsor when you're escalating decisions up to them but conversely you need a sponsor who's who's confident to empower the team because if the team can't make timely decisions that's a real blocker isn't it at times definitely i think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there um i suppose the the kind of the sponsor role that kind of senior oversight role uh is is kind of there to provide assurance um both to let's say a board level um but also to the team themselves that that they're kind of going in the right direction what um what we i suppose we we don't necessarily want um is for them to be a single sort of point of contact a blockage essentially uh, on decision making processes so they definitely there's there's a degree of coaching and empowering that has to happen to be able to you know, I mean, we, we generally run uh, projects, I suppose, uh, in terms of reporting by exception. I mean, there are, you know, the usual kind of governance and, and comms and um, uh, processes around that. But to an extent, you, you kind of want the team to be completely enabled to carry this through and just simply use, uh, I suppose, the, the, the senior um, level um, for oversight and for support if they need uh, to do something that they, you know, themselves such as, releasing more resource or, or or making some decisions at that top level that will release them to kind of move on uh, with the project but they should be uh, to an extent uh, entirely autonomous really yeah yeah th yeah the project team needs to be doesn't it like you say it needs to be empowered or done as making those decisions in timely fashion and then able to call on support and get it when it's needed yeah interesting, interesting. I mean, we, we've we've seen all different types uh you know very much the kind of the strict um, at each milestone, at each point, I need to to see and understand and sign off and everything, um, which which can really really slow things down and um, you know uh, causes a degree of kind of I wouldn't say resentment, but you know I, I suppose the the decision making apparatus just moves up all, all the time. Um, we've also seen a slightly more um, uh, sort of collaborative or or, or, or sort of coaching uh, style of I suppose governance where um it's not necessarily um decision i suppose the um the the senior executives being uh, is making a decision but it's very much done on the recommendation of the team 
Um, I'm not going to say it's obviously that can fall into a rubber stamp kind of aspect, which which you don't want. And really, yeah. what you want is is for some critical, uh, you know, uh, features, some critical kind of questioning, um, but to allow the project team to know that you're there if you need them, but um, but to, to be able to move on without you. Yeah, and that's the thing because when you're in that project team, you do actually want to be just, you know, you want to feel like you're being taken notice of, so your recommendation being listened to, but you want it to be actively listened to, you want to be a little bit critiqued, a little bit of challenge, you know, because then you know that people care as well and are still in, engaged with the project as well. And that's quite supportive when they are, I find. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. And do you then think, sorry, do you then think that that leads into, if, so if you then start to look, we're talking about project success, right, and about the overall success in terms of achieving objectives, which are longer term, it's not about the technology implementation as such, is it? It goes on beyond that. And do you think if you've got that mix right within the project itself, so you have now an empowered and supportive project team, they are better placed to then drive the solution forward when you when you move into BAU, because they so they're not going to disconnect from it. They're not maybe not be quite so tired by it as well, but also really they're actually very much engaged with it and aware of what they can now do. I think that's a key aspect. It's not it's not just about, you know, someone doing the work is uh, somebody inputting in what this thing should looks like should look like and, and how it affects them. Um, but also absolutely that that kind of as you move into business as usual, you want this to be owned, adopted and maintained and, and allowed to evolve as, as as part of the kind of the operational team. Um, yeah. So. You know that sort of hearts and mind kind of aspect can't happen at the end of the process where you go right there you go guys start using it and uh, hope it all goes well right um yeah 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 which which <laughs> certainly happens i think it's probably fair to say that that most kind of engagements um i suppose most um the clients we we work with um have already thought about this and they they have a, a reasonable understanding about the kind of the do's and don'ts and the need to have people in there right from the beginning um but the execution sometimes can be a little bit different you know when suddenly oh it's a busy time uh so uh you guys carry on you know we're gonna have to pull everybody off it um yeah. so you just need to be consistent and and plan things out properly yeah like i said the planning's key isn't it because like you said yeah if you then if you end up just delivering a, a piece of technology to them that's not going to succeed um but we, we definitely i mean not not often thankfully but definitely see some organizations who stutter at least when going into bau because they're kind of like, okay, project's over, so everyone goes back to their day job, and they haven't put in the thoughts that that kind of you know the visionary piece around, okay, who's now going to own and drive it forward? And I think some, I mean, sometimes that's fallen on you, hasn't it? Uh, you know, as a tech partner, to actually then say, no, come on, guys, we need to operationalize this. Yeah, you have to come out of project mode a bit. Absolutely. I mean, I suppose the model that we we kind of um, it's it's almost like a sort of a, a you know it's like a peak. Um, so we kind of start. I'm not going to say slowly, but we we start in a in a you know in a in a comfortable kind of way until you kind of hit that sort of peak during the project where it's kind of full on. Um, and then the idea is that you kind of almost what you should be doing is kind of removing the stabilizers a little bit at a time as you go through the sort of the the coming months, I suppose, uh, and certainly that first year. Of, of you know very very different technology and very often very different processes um so the idea is that that you know the users themselves and, and certainly the structure within the organization should be more and more empowered as you go through um and of course i mean technology can do anything for you it's it's really a you know how do you want to use it what what you know what fits best uh, for your processes so 
we kind of see the adoption and the evolution of processes and, and how users are kind of using the technology. The idea is that that that, that it should be, you know, it should be being built throughout the project. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm not going to say that we kind of leave them to it post post launch. But the idea is that they're to an extent, uh, you know, will always be there to support them. But to an extent that they're kind of self-sufficient in terms of being able to do their jobs. Yeah, because that's the per- again. So it's not disruptive, you know, that. I think we said, so, you know, nowadays the go live should be quite, not quite underwhelming, but it, sh- it shouldn't be as disruptive as like 10 years ago. The huge, that moment was huge, wasn't it? Now, I think we've all learned quite a lot about having the more successful project implementation for the for the duration means it's a smoother, lighter landing almost when, when you when you actually go live. And in the nicest sense, go live is then, OK, here's the final data set and you use this system as, you, as your main system. It's not a big... Yeah, it's not quite the big bang that it used to be. Is that fair? No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we we definitely kind of operate on on that kind of uh, model. So you know, what as we go through, and as I said, that kind of peak of of activity and and formality, let's say, that goes into that kind of testing period just before go live. It, it should be kind of almost like a dress rehearsal. So when the time comes, you know, I mean, I, I've kind of you know, as here I'm go live. I've I've certainly said I was a bit of a damn squib sometimes because it's like you know people are kind of going are we live uh, is something happening and you're like yep you know and that's exactly kind of how it should be yeah. um so yeah absolutely that that's and and definitely I mean technology has changed uh, the way things are done have certainly changed and that's certainly how we would approach it that it's a, a smooth transition with you know a, a barely a barely noticeable is is kind of how we would want to do it mm. When you say that about the the way technology has changed to make to help us make that a smoother process, can you just tell us a bit more about that? Because you know, obviously, it's about how you're you're able to deploy the technology for a client, isn't it? Um, in part, but is it? Do you find that the the technology, the capability that technology now gives you, enables you to make that whole process a bit smoother? That's really interesting. Um, yes, but I'm not going to say it's perfect always because, you know, sure. it's the whole with great power comes great responsibility type of, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, it, technology can be done at speed now at speed and at scales that that was never the case, you know, 10, 20 years ago, certainly. Mm. <laughs> and what that means is that, you know, should you need to change something, you can, um, but it needs to be kind of done carefully and, and very much, you know, in concert with with the users and the process and what we, what, what the key aims are. Um, so yeah, very very powerful technology there. Um, but as I said, you just you just got to plan it rather than you know you can do things very quickly, but then you can make mistakes very quickly. So you just want to make sure it's carefully thought through. Yeah, and does that also then you know raise the the spectre of our favourite yeah or not favourite but data is probably our favourite. But next on the list would be scope creep yeah because as you say technology now can do everything and anything, mm-hmm. and as your client is going through that process, they get to see more of what the technology is capable of mm-hmm. is, is containing scope does that then become harder because that's another part of success for the time and budget for phase one at least yes i mean it, and again you kind of it's almost like the the the, the, the kind of the specter of scope creep is, is throughout the project um and um you know with with some engagements it works really really well uh, and this is where the governance kind of aspect comes into it Hmm. Um, ultimately, you know, uh, any organization is a sort of a collection of individuals who have different focuses. Um, everybody's going to want something that's going to, you know, um, meet their objectives as part of the, the whole, um, you know, strategy. Um, so everyone's going to want something um, particular. 
and not every single one of those things is going to is going to meet um, the objectives as quickly or as or as effectively or as cost effectively as as the organization as a whole needs. So you do need that kind of governance structure to say uh, what to say no a lot of the time. Um, mm. You know, and it's, it's 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 the simplest but hardest thing to to do uh, an awful lot of the time. So if if you're able to have that kind of thread, that control as you go through, um, there will always be change. I mean, you know, it, it's it's the way of the world. I mean, it, it, it's constant change. But being able to, I suppose, prioritize, um, say no, we'll come back to that, and this is when, and this is how, um, is absolutely key as part of the process. Um, I suppose the <laughs> post-launch. Um, aspect can also be a challenge in in a sense that people suddenly see some very shiny very powerful things and they go well kind of can I have more please can we do mm-hmm. this now and again it's kind of you know just just making sure that that you're able to kind of prioritize the, those key kind of elements that will give you the I mean you know a very good example is is um, of course the last two years uh, in terms of you know remote working um, no uh, face-to-face events and that kind of aspect and um, with a couple of projects right in the midst of, of, of lockdown, um, suddenly the project kind of changed dramatically. It was a case of, well, look, you know, events uh, is a very, very big piece of both our uh, strategy and our, our finances, you know, um, pays the bills at the end of the day. And, you know, we need to move to kind of virtual events in a, in a much more powerful, much more kind of sophisticated way that we can at the moment really quickly. So it's, it's a kind of a, a key kind of, um, example of, of where organizations just gone well look we're going to have to forget about this bit and and really really focus on that um so i wouldn't call that kind of scope creep necessarily it's, it's obviously both take advantage and and also see the risks and and be able to meet them really with technology management yeah 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 i know yeah, that's really interesting and i was just kind of reflecting on collectively everything you've kind of been discussing there and for me what really stands out is you know people and planning are kind of the heart of what you're saying and there and also you know a lot of what we say here at heart square people are the heart of projects whether that's you know your resourcing sides getting the roles right governance things like that um so that's that's really interesting and kind of i guess emphasizes what we see and and sort of discuss as well and um, just constant of time, I want to get your thoughts really on kind of trends and things that you see specifically in the non-profit spaces you say you work and have worked in that space for a while. Is there any sort of upcoming trends in the space, whether that's technology or just how projects are run, um, that you think are being adopted well or, you know, are being challenged by the sector or even technology itself? Um, just get your thoughts on that, really. Um yeah i mean probably in a couple of areas i mean in in terms of uh i suppose um technology um i suppose let's let's kind of look at technology i mean it, it it's probably fair to say that it goes in cycles whether it's kind of platform based uh you know very configurable very custom you know uh, it it does go in cycles uh, i'm sure there's a graph somewhere in terms of you know <laughs> people going back and forth in terms of what their preference is um, but I think in terms of uh, systems, technology as a whole, um, we're certainly seeing a lot more people looking at a best in class kind of approach where um, I suppose up until very recently uh, and particularly I, th- I think pre kind of pandemic, um, people were looking for that one stop shop uh, thing that can do everything for you. Um, and obviously that has its place. But what we're seeing much more so now, um, particularly within charities, is that um, you know they they, would, they want a, a you know a sophisticated powerful flexible a robust crm but then they will look at different platforms um which are best in their class in terms of 
you know, whether it's fundraising or events or, or communications, marketing, whatever it might be, and just make sure that that's integrated into the CRM. Um, so the, the, they're a little bit more flexible in picking and choosing. And because I suppose of the kind of increased interoperability, the, the integration between all these systems, it allows them much more flexibility in, in what they want to do. It can also be more cost effective, you know, not kind of reinventing the wheel uh, and going out and getting the things, the, the platforms, the technology that works for you and plugging them into your CRM. That That's certainly um, one. I think the other point you were asking was about projects in, uh, you know, delivery of projects. There's always going to be the bun fight between kind of waterfall and agile and, and how people do different things. And and, and there's definitely, a, a, you know, pros and cons with, with both of those. But certainly how we work and what we're finding more and more technology partners to do is, is kind of have that hybrid approach where I suppose within the not-for-profit sector in particular, um, because of, you know, the, the, the way that, that funding, I suppose, in terms of, you know, an investment in technology, um, clients need a degree of comfort, degree of certainty as to the costs and the time and the deliverable. So they want that kind of certainty, but then they also want the flexibility and that iterative kind of collaborative kind of approach to delivering projects. So certainly what we um, what we like to do is, is provide kind of a framework overall that gives you a degree of certainty, um, but within that to be slightly more dynamic in, in uh, being able to collaborate quickly to deliver um, uh, projects very, very quickly. So that, those be the, the two aspects that I would say I, I'm noticing within the certainly within the not-for-profit sector and um, particularly over the last year or two. Brilliant, thanks very much. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I think you're right. I think that, yeah, getting the balance of kind of where the where the more agile iterative parts, where you kind of play on the strengths of each element of that, I suppose, you know, you get a bit more robustness, a bit more governance in the waterfall aspect. So maybe that's the foundation piece. And then when it comes to the delivery, actually that kind of gives you a, a better framework maybe to be agile and iterative through the actual building configuration part but um but yeah definitely definitely see that yeah i mean i'm sure there'll be lots of uh, sort of agile evangelists out there that will uh, be you know <laughs> spitting out their breakfast but um uh, you know it's it's about kind of a common sense approach that works for an organization but certainly the sector in particular um you know very very specific methodologies we are within possibly different sectors but certainly what we found is that most not-for-profit sector organizations work with want a degree of certainty you know what's it going to cost um yeah. so you know uh, i suppose it uh, agile doesn't necessarily lend itself that well to that um certainly within the sector but again uh you know different uh, different organizations different partners will obviously do ways uh that very very um will work in very different ways so i can't criticize or or recommend any of those no, no, no. understood well, yeah, no, that's really interesting to kind of hear about, you know, even in the system side, um, you know, as we say, a lot's changed in the last few years. So everybody's a lot more kind of focused on digital and how, how that's incorporated into their organisations. So that's really interesting to hear. But um, conscious of time and, you know, um, we've covered lots of really great stuff there. So um, just to round that off, really, and say thank you so much for joining us um, on the podcast today. Um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. We've got lots. We've got lots of learns for ourselves from that as well. So it's really great. So thank you. Anytime. Thank you, guys. So we really hope you enjoyed our episode with Marios this week. It was really great to have him on and hear from his experience and his viewpoint um, on projects as a technology partner. Um, it was 
it's really interesting to hear that he sees collaboration and relationship building as key areas of success, um, which is something we quite often talk about at HeartSquare as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, we do talk about that, like you say, all the way through our projects when we're talking to clients about the, the relationships being key, about it being a people thing rather than a tech thing, really. Uh, so, yeah, good to hear him echoing that. I think the other key points here we're making around kind of having good, strong governance, but governance that empowers project teams rather than governance that constrains. You know, it's not about locking down and control. It's about actually giving support and empowerment, which I think is a really good way of looking at it, a really positive way of looking at it and a, and a really key factor. So, yeah, it was interesting to hear it. I like that. Yeah, definitely. So that sums up this week's episode. So if you did enjoy it, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you get notified of the latest episodes. Don't forget you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter by searching HeartSquare where you'll find loads more content on leadership, digital, culture and capability. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.